Turn in your Bible to Ephesians chapter number three. Now you're going to want to be there. And if we're going to look at several verses of scripture this morning, uh, but we're going to start and end right here in the book of Ephesians. Our sermon title this morning is In Your Shadow, In Your Shadow. All right, Ephesians chapter three, and I'm going to start in verse number 20. Ephesians three, verse 20, it says this. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. It says God can do far more, far beyond than you can imagine or you could dream up or you could even think of in your wildest dreams, in your biggest imagination, God can do more. That he does it by working within us. If you're a child of God, and you know Christ, and you have the Holy Spirit of God in your heart, in your life, that God, uh, that no matter where you are today, no matter what you're facing, no matter what you think is coming at you tomorrow, that if you're a child of God, you can know that the Holy Spirit is working in your heart and is working in your life in ways that you cannot even imagine or necessarily comprehend on this side of eternity. Now, our sermon title, again, is In Your Shadow This Morning, Look at this next slide. I want you to understand something. We all cast a shadow. We all cast a shadow. Now, what we're talking about this morning is in the realm of influence, of influence, right? Let me explain. When I say we all cast a shadow, we're also all in a shadow, and we're all casting a shadow. Now, your parents growing, I don't know about you. But maybe when you were growing up, you looked at your parents and maybe they did some things or said some things and you thought to yourself, man, I am never going to do that. I'm never going to be, I'll never be like that, right? I'll never be like you. Maybe your dad would sit in the recliner and uh, he would sit there with the, with the remote and he would yell at the TV, right? He would yell at the TV and say, whatever he would say. I was, I was saying, hey, beat Georgia, please. And right, I don't know if you, any of you tuned in for that win, that Tennessee victory. We won the first quarter, y'all. Amen. <laughs> Game was over. I ate popcorn and that was it. I'm through. But listen, maybe you saw your dad sitting in that recliner, holding that remote, watching that TV, yelling at a TV that couldn't hear him. And you thought to yourself, I'll never do that. Then you find yourself sitting in a recliner, holding a remote, yelling at a TV that can't say anything back to you. Right? Or maybe you, your parents would say something or do something, right? Or maybe they would tell you to do something or not let you do something. And you would think, man, why? Why? And you think, when I grow up, man, when my, I'm going to be cool. I'm going to be cool. I'm going to be cool. I never treat my children like this. And then you grow up one day and you have your kids and, and then you're telling your kids something. Or maybe you're telling your kids something loud enough for the neighbors to hear. And you think to yourself, I sound just like my mom. I sound just like my dad, right? And it comes. You're influenced by the shadow that you grow up in. And, uh, or maybe I put this in my, like my kid, I see it in my mom. I see now, after all these years, how much my mother is like my grandmother, right? And maybe your kids look at you and they say, you know, you chew your food just like granddad does. Or you have the same mannerisms as your grand, grandmother, right? Your mama. Y'all talk the same. You walk the same. You, you, whenever you yell at us kids, you both bobble your head the same, right? These mannerisms. You cannot escape the shadow of your parents. Now, for some of you, that's a good thing. You're like, I'm, I'm okay with that. 
And for some of you, it's not a good thing because you grew up in a shadow of tension and expectations and frustration and addiction and explosion. Or maybe your parents weren't ever around. Maybe you're saying, Brother Marcus, I didn't grow up in the shadow of my parents because they were never around. Well, you, you grew up in a shadow of absence, but you grew up in a shadow. Does that make sense? But let me ask you, look at this next slide. Have you ever considered that there are people living in your shadow right now, this morning? People that you're influencing? Now, there's a couple of categories. There's some people that we influence by proximity. In other words, like your children, your wife, they live with you, they're close to you, they see you all the time, right? Then there's other people, like maybe you work with them, you see them Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, maybe even Saturday, whatever. And so you see them all the time, so they're within your proximity all the time. There's other people that are kind of under your shadow, under your influence, and maybe they're not that close to you, but they still see you from time to time. Or maybe there's people that choose to be around you, as crazy as that may be, right? There's something in you that seems attractive and appealing, and they, they don't have to be around you, but they've chosen you. You're their people. Does that make sense? They're your friends. Then there's other people that's in your life that are under your shadow. They're there by accident, right? You don't mean for it to happen, but it seems like every time you go to the grocery store, she's the one that checks you out. Or every time you go to the gym, he's on that bench, right, that you want to use. Like you just, and maybe you even say hi to each other, and you kind of act like you know each other, but you know you don't. It's just you accidentally run into each other all the time at different places. They're under your shadow. You know each other, but you don't really know each other. But the truth is, people are watching, people are looking, people are thinking about you and what kind of person you are. Look at this next slide. Now, as Christ followers, there are people in our shadows, whether they're there intentionally, by proximity, or by accident, that are actually looking at our lives, trying to decide whether they want to become followers of Jesus by the way that we live. They're looking at you, and they're saying, is there anything to this whole Jesus thing? Do I want to be a person like them? And is there anything to this Jesus thing? It doesn't matter how old you are. Some of you think that you don't have any influence, but you absolutely do. And I believe that in the DNA, maybe way down deep, <laughs> maybe way down deep, but in the DNA of every believer is a desire to uh, live a life that's pleasing to Christ, and also to point other people to Jesus. I believe that's just what it means to be a believer. It's part of who we are. So today, I want to look at our shadow, our influence. Because I believe that you've got people in your life that are there, divinely assigned by God, and they're there for a reason. So that you can leave a mark on their life and influence many more people than you could ever imagine. So I want to go over a couple of things as we think about this influence. Number one, write this down. Whether you like it or not, you have influence, whether you want it or not. Influence is not optional. You can't opt out. You can't unsubscribe, right? You cannot unfollow influence, okay? You have influence. It's either intentional or unintentional. It's either positive or negative, but you've got it 100%. When we live such a life of uh, reflecting the love of Christ to those around us, then everybody in our shadow has a better chance of knowing Christ. When we live to reflect the love of Christ. But when we live a life of compromise, everybody in our shadow is compromised. Everybody in our shadow is compromised. 
You've got influence whether you want it or not. Number two, write this down. Your influence is always consistent with your life. The impact you're having on other people isn't different than who you are. Like somehow we're convinced, listen, mom, dad, if, if you're a pagan, don't think that you're raising the next Billy Graham. Now you might, but it's going to be in spite of and not because of. Right? Your influence is always uh, uh, consistent with who you are. See, there's a big difference between projection and reflection. Your shadow is more of a reflection of who you actually are, right? But many people uh, through social media, Instagram, we've become masters at projecting an image that's just not true. Look at this next slide. This is a little off, but you need to hear this. Some of you are miserable right now because you're comparing your reflection to somebody else's projection. In other words, you're, you're looking at somebody's life who's absolutely miserable, but you see the cherries and the cream they put on top that they show you through social media, and that's actually making you unhappy. You might need to take a break. But what I want to teach you is our reflection is always true to who we are. You can't be a rotten person and have a good reflection, a good shadow, a positive influence. Your influence is always true to who you are. People stand, that stand in your shadow will not experience compassion if you don't have compassion. People in your shadow, they're not going to experience the love of God if you don't have the love of God. People in your shadow, are, your influence isn't going to leave loving kindness when your life is not a fountain of loving kindness. People in your shadow, they're not going to be exposed to generosity if you're not a generous person. You don't, we talk about this with parenting, and guys, this is a principle, and this isn't 100% true, but it's generally true. So listen to me. When it comes to parenting, generally speaking, you don't get what you want, you get what you are. Because your shadow doesn't lie. Your shadow doesn't lie. And what we're doing is we're influencing people, but our influence 100% of the time is consistent with our life and how we live our lives. If you're radiating the love of Christ, your shadow is going to feel that. Number three, write this down. Godly influence only comes from a yielded heart. That's the only place. If you're going to have a godly influence on somebody, it's going to only be because your heart and your life is yielded to Christ. If your heart, your life is not yielded to Christ, you will not have a godly influence on your children, your grandchildren, your neighbors, your friends, the guy at the gym, the woman at the store. You're not going to have an influence if you do not have a yielded heart. Now, the prophet Jeremiah, God spoke to Jeremiah one time. Well, look at it in your notes. Jeremiah uh, chapter 18, verse 2. He told Jeremiah, he said, arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. Now, okay, pause. This is the way my brain works, uh, and maybe you're different, but I'm always like, why? Why? And I know my heart, and I know if God spoke to me and said, Marcus, go down to the potter's house, and I'm going to speak to you there, I'd want to go, why? You're speaking to me now. Continue. Right? But there was something down there at the potter's house that God wanted Jeremiah to see. And I believe this is me just my sanctified imagination filling in the blanks. I believe that God wanted Jeremiah to see the potter at work on the clay. See, when Jeremiah shows up, he sees a potter work at the potter's house, a potter working on the clay. And I feel like we think we're the potter. And God says we're the clay. See, we think that we're self-directed, that we're self-informed, that we've got self-purpose, self-invention, self-determination. And God is saying, no, 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 no. I am the potter. You are the clay. Jeremiah, you don't understand. 
Look at verse number five, Jeremiah 18, verse five says, then the word of the Lord came to me saying, oh, house of Israel, can I not, do, can I not do with you as this potter, says the Lord? Look, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. See, Jeremiah, I've got you in my hands. But many times we don't live like it. The only way that, see, your shadow, your influence is always equal to who you actually are. And if the person that you actually are is not yielded to Christ, your shadow will not yield other people yielded to Christ. It'll never happen. It just doesn't work that way. Now, it might happen through the goodness and the grace and the mercy of God that in spite of you, God is going to do big things in your shadow, but it won't be because of you and you're going to miss out on a blessing. Let me ask you this question. Look at this next slide. So when people look at you, do they see the fingerprints of the potter in your life, at work on your life, through your life? Do they even recognize God working and moving? If your shadow, your influence is going to have a great impact, it's only going to be because you've been impacted by the hands of God. And when you haven't, your shadow won't either. Now, next thing I want you to see, write this down, number four. Our, our greatest, our largest, our biggest influence always starts small. It starts small. It doesn't start big. It starts small. Think about it. You, know, you may sit here right now and you're just thinking, well, that's easy for you to say. You've got a microphone. You've got people listening. You've got such a greater impact on people than I do. That's not true. See, some of you, this is all I got. I get this one hour a week. And I can influence you, and God's Word is going to do what God's Word does. Don't make no mistake about it. Life change will happen. But when it comes to influence, there are people that you spend hours and hours a week with that you have influence and impact over that I will never even see. You have tremendous amount of influence in your life. You're far greater influence than many other people even understand. Don't undervalue that. Look at this next slide. Generally speaking, influence needs proximity to be lasting. Influence, somebody from a distance may inspire you, but I find a lot of times inspiration is short. But influence is lasting. And Jesus knew this. Now, I'm kind of glad, I'm glad that I'm not Jesus' campaign manager because I think I would have been mad all the time. Right? Because, again, I don't know about you. I'm sure you're way more sanctified than I am and all that. I'm sure of it. But when I read the Bible, what keeps happening is every time Jesus gets a crowd, and if you're the campaign manager, you're like, yeah, we got a crowd. Every time Jesus gets a crowd, he kind of ditches the crowd and goes after the individual. Almost every time in Scripture. I mean, we see it over and over again. You remember the story of Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus was a what? Wee little man and a wee little man was... I tried not to sing this song in the first service. For the Lord, he wanted to. Okay, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. But listen, think about the life of Zacchaeus. Here Jesus comes with the crowd. Look in your notes at Luke 19, verse 3. It says, Zacchaeus sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd. And so, you know, Zacchaeus was a um, man. And so he had to climb up in this. I, oh, the song, y'all stop. We're not doing that anymore. So Zacchaeus being short, a big crowd. He had to go up in the tree so he could see Jesus. So here comes Jesus with the crowd. He sees Zacchaeus. And look at it in verse 5. He says, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. Now notice what he didn't do. He didn't say, Zacchaeus, come on down. I'm fixing to show everybody something. All right, I'm going to make the crowd double because I'm going to change your life. And everybody's going to see it. 
No, he says, Zacchaeus, come on. I'm going to your house. We're going to talk. Let's go to your house so we can talk. Influence has a greater impact with proximity. One time, Jesus uh, was traveling through Samaria. Now, he didn't even need to go that way. I'm not even going to get on that right now. Jesus didn't even need to go this way, but he went this way, and he's sitting by a well. All the disciples have gone into town to get something to eat. Well, let me just tell you what Jesus, write this down. Jesus saved a city by saving a woman first. Jesus saved a whole village, basically, by first saving a woman. So Jesus is sitting there, and here this woman is. She's not a good woman in the eyes of most people. This lady's been married five times, and the dude she's living with now is not her husband. And their eyes, I mean, again, she's a Samaritan, and she's a woman five times. One th- I mean, she is less than, right? She, they, a good Jewish man wouldn't even look at her, much less speak to her, have anything to do with her. And Jesus is here at the well. He is talking to this woman, right? And she is just absolutely shunned, more than likely, by society. You know why that makes me happy? Look at this next slide. It reminds me that there's hope for me, man. There's hope for you. No matter what has gone on in your life, that doesn't matter anymore. What you do with Christ today matters. What you're going to do with Christ tomorrow, that matters. But whatever garbage, whatever stuff is in the past, it's in the past. If Jesus could use this woman at the well to reach a whole city, he can use you to reach a whole city too. And some of you, you probably think, man, but you don't know. I've made the poorest, I've made the worst decisions. You can't believe the dumb decisions that I've made time and time again. If there's a right thing to do and a wrong thing to do, I always choose the wrong thing. You don't know where I've been, what I've done, and what I've seen. Let me tell you something. That's just a bigger miracle for Jesus to show off doing. Because when he changes your life, let me tell you something. If that's your story, mistake after mistake, sin after sin, stupid decision after stupid decision, let me tell you something. Everybody in your shadow knows it. It's not a surprise. Your wife knows it. Your husband knows it. Your mama and them, they know it. Your children know it. Your, Your shadow stinks. It reeks of poor decisions, I can't even talk, poor decisions and sin and filth and unrighteousness, it stinks to high heaven. And you know it. But when you get right with God, when you give that to Jesus, when you surrender your heart to him, he takes that and it's a miracle. He'll change your life. Now what happens? Everybody in your shadow that bad shadow, that smelly shadow, right? That filthy shadow, all of a sudden it gets cleaned up. And everybody looks and they know this shadow's different. And they know that you didn't do it, that it was God working and moving in your life. I mean, it's not like, hey, go out and sin a bunch so that God will get the glory. But newsflash, you've sinned a bunch. Give him your life and he will get the glory out of it. It's God who can change you and transform you and make you obedient. So that's what Jesus does with this woman. Jesus talks to this woman. She believes Jesus. She trusts Jesus. And then she goes back to the village and she tells everybody. Why? Because that's what Christ's followers have been doing for 2,000 years. When we meet Jesus and we believe in Jesus, we turn around and we go and tell everybody. That's what it means to be a Christian. 
And so she went back to the village and she told everybody everything that Jesus had done. And the whole village came to believe because of her. Look at John chapter 4 verse 39. It says, and many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him. Why? Because of the word of the woman who testified. Isn't that amazing? This woman, she's been married five times. Dude, she's with now. It's not her husband. And they would have a complete outcast. And because of what she went and testified that Jesus had done in her life, they wanted to go and meet this Jesus themselves. Look at verse 42. Later on, they said to this woman, now we believe not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Listen, you point them to Jesus and Jesus will take care of the rest. You point them to Christ, Christ will take care of the rest. So what does that mean? Write this down. Don't look for the crowd, man. Look for the one. The one. The one. Don't look for more followers on Instagram. Look for that coworker that's under your shadow, right? There's a village behind them, right? That, uh, uh, that person, uh, 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 that dude on the bench press that you see every time at the gym, you're like, what's up? And he's like, what's up? That guy, there's a whole village behind him. That woman, at the, when you go to your soccer games and your kids and you set up your little chair and there's that woman, you don't really like her that much because she talks to the whole game and you want to yell at your baby to kick the ball? And she puts her chair right beside you and it kind of gets on your nerves. There's a whole village behind her. You reach her, no telling what God will do with it. Don't ignore the moment. Matter of fact, look at this next slide. Don't dismiss the moment. Now, what am I talking about? I'm talking about these God moments. We all have these moments where we're like, we're talking with someone, we're sharing with some, something's going on, man. And then in this moment, you start to sense, you start to feel God wants me to say something. God wants me to do something. God wants me to act. God wants me to give. God wants me to just share. God wants me to invite. We all have these God moments, and they usually only last a few seconds. And what happens is we know I'm in the middle of a God moment. I need to do, I need to say something, and then you chicken out because you kind of just, you wait, and you wait, and you wait, and you wait, and then the moment's gone, and you walk away, and you're kind of like, I should have said something. I should have done something. I knew I should have said something. I should have done something. When in your gut, this is a God moment. But some reason, we let it go. And the reason is because we're afraid. We just don't want to say it. See, there's risk involved. And when you step out in that God moment, there's risk. They might reject you. Right? And it's risky. Not pretending like it's not. You kind of put yourself out there. They might reject it. They might not understand your motives. You just love them. I just think this is a God moment. I need to do this. I need to say this. I need to help you. It's risky. Write this down. But God wants us to live in faith and not in fear. Never in fear. When those God moments are upon us, God wants us to speak the words that he's given us, to do whatever he's calling us to do, to invite them to church, to, to love on them, whatever it is. Matter of fact, I love this verse in Isaiah 43, verse 1. It says, but now thus says the Lord, this is so good, who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you, I have called you by your name, you are mine. Christian, what do you have to be afraid of this morning? Nothing. You are his. When you belong to him and you get in that God moment, you don't have to be afraid of saying what he called you to say. You belong to him. 
You're surrendered. You're yielded. Matter of fact, um, this happened uh, to the Kelly family recently. Uh, it was me and Alicia and Marcus, baby. We went to um, we went to a store, and the lady at the register had the Grace Baptist uh, T-shirt on, and um, and so um, we. And, I'm trying to filter out all the dumb things I'm trying not to say. Okay. And so we go to the store, and the lady saw the shirt, and she said something pretty funny. She said, uh, she goes, oh, I, I like your shirt. You know, Grace Baptist. She goes, and she goes, yeah, there's been a lot of y'all in here today. <laughs> and I was like, oh. You know, and she's like, no, 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 I mean, it good, it's good. You know, there's been a lot of people that's come in today with Grace Baptist uh, shirts on, like, kind of like all day. I was like, that's awesome. And, she, and believe it or not, now this wasn't in Henderson, but she lived in Henderson, and she didn't know where Grace Baptist was. She was like, where's Grace Baptist at? And she didn't know where our church was, and she lives in Henderson. That means you need to step it up, church. <laughs> I'm doing what I can. But listen to me. And so she didn't know where it was. So I said, oh, it's right up here, 45, right there in Henderson. Oh, no, I'm sure. And so it's right there in 45. I told her right where the church was. She's like, oh, okay, yeah. Yes, sir. But there's been just a bunch of people in here today with Grace Baptist shirts on and everything. And then she was just kind of like, well, um, I've, I've been thinking uh, I probably need to go to church. I need to, I, I really probably need to talk to somebody because I've been having a hard time. And I was like, well, what's, what's wrong? And she said, well, I'm 38, and she, late 30s. And she said, I just had my first baby. I've got a five-month-old. And his daddy's in prison. And I'm just, I'm just really struggling. And I don't know what, you know, I really don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> and she's like, I probably just, I don't know. I just need to go to church. I need to talk to somebody. And so right there in that moment, I pulled out my, my card out of my wallet. And I gave it. I said, listen, you know, you, you come to church, whatever. But listen, here's my phone number. You can call me anytime. Just give me a call. Shoot me a text. If you'd like to talk up at the church or something, you just holler at me. Blah, blah, blah. Because, I mean, there was business, you know, there were people. And I didn't think that was the moment she really wanted to go into it. And so I was like, here's my number. Give me a call. Whatever I can do for you. And then she looked at the card and she goes, oh. She said, you're the man. <laughs> and Alicia said, yes, he is. No, I'm just kidding. She, she's... That'd be nice if she did, all right? But she looked at the car. She said, you're the man. And, uh, and I was like, and she, what she meant was, you're the pastor. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm the pastor. That's crazy, isn't it? And she's like, yeah, it kind of is. And, uh, and, I, and she goes, oh, you're the pastor. And then she said this. She goes, she goes this might be an answer to prayer. She says, I've just been praying and asking God, you know, to help me. I, I'm struggling and, and everything. This right here might be an answer to prayer. I'll give you a call, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So what I'm saying is this, though. When you step out in faith and you ignore the fear, right, of being rejected, but you step out in faith and you desire to have godly influence on people, it just might be the answer, the sign that somebody is waiting for, the answer to somebody's prayer. Because here's what happened. Here's what I know that happened. She saw those Grace Baptist Church shirts coming in all day, right? And there were Grace Baptist Church shirts, and those people were nice. And there was one nice person in a Grace Baptist shirt. And there was two nice people in a Grace Baptist shirt. There's three nice people in a Grace Baptist shirt. Four nice people. Five nice people. And finally, at the end of the night, because this is at the end of the night, she got the courage up to say something. Well, you know, I've I need to talk to somebody. And, and you, th- I, you know, maybe I need to go to church. I need to, I need to talk to somebody. And you know why she did that? Because there's one, two, three, 
for five people with good shadows. That even an accidental, incidental contact that were kind enough, respectful enough, thoughtful enough that at the end of the day, she said, you know what? I'm going to say something to this man. And just by being nice to that lady, when you're wearing that shirt, you are answering prayer. You're pointing someone in the right direction. But the opposite is true too, isn't it? I mean, you walk around like a jerk face with your Grace Baptist shirt on. And there's one jerk that came in there with a Grace Baptist. That doesn't happen. When we see you being a jerk, we take your shirt. Amen? (laughs) (laughs) We pull your jersey. Sit on the bench with Garantano. Amen? Listen. (laughs) I'm sorry. I can't say that. But what if there had been one jerk with a Grace Baptist shirt? What if there was two jerks, three jerks, four jerks, five jerks? When jerk number six come through the door, do you think that she's going to say, hey, I've been having a hard time, and I really feel like I need to talk to somebody, or maybe I need to go down there? You never know. When you are operating in a yielded life, and you have a good shadow, God will use it. It may be the answer to somebody's prayer. And this morning, what we've got here, we've got a couple of groups of people. One group of people here at Grace this morning, you're a follower of Jesus, but somewhere along the way, you've gotten scared of taking a risk, stepping out for God. You're missing your divine assignment within your shadow. The people in your shadow have become invisible because somehow you've convinced yourself you don't have influence. You've got influence. Way more than you could imagine. Matter of fact, Colossians 1.27 says this. We looked at this verse recently. It says, To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. It is Christ in you, the hope of glory that people will respond to. And when you enter one of those God moments and you step out in faith and you speak, you pray, you encourage, you share, you invite, whatever it is. And when you do that, when they say yes, they're saying yes to the hope in you. Right? The hope of glory glory. But when they say no, they're saying no to Christ in you, the hope and glory. You are his. What do you have to be afraid of? To them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's Christ in you when you invite somebody to church to sit with you. It's Christ in you when you ask somebody, hey, can I pray for you right now? It's Christ in you when you share Jesus with them. It's Christ in you when you decide, you know what? There's a need. I'm going to be generous. And if you get shot down, you get them next time. Or there's going to be another person with a Grace Baptist shirt on. And another person. And another person. And another person. God has divine assignments in your shadow. And sometimes your part is just stepping out in faith, taking the risk, and recognizing that it's Christ in you, good or bad. Now look again in your Bible, Ephesians 3, verse 20. Remember, this is who we're speaking of. To him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Let's pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father God, thank you so much for your word. Lord, thank you for this encouragement, Lord. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that lives inside of your people and that works in us. Guys, every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment. We won't be long. But those of you this morning, you know that you're saved. You know that you're a believer. You have the Holy Spirit. It's working in your heart. It's working in your life. You know that you're saved.
But let me ask this question. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Be respectful of those around you. Let me ask you this question. When was the last time you felt a little bit nervous doing something for Jesus? How long has it been? When was the last time, man, that just, oh, this is a, this is a little risky and I'm kind of putting myself out there. When was the last time you felt just a little bit nervous doing something for Jesus? What's happened is, man, you've kind of entered into your comfort zone. And God has called you to so much more than that. So much more. So for all of the believers, you know that you're saved, right? For those of you that you know that you're saved, is it possibly your prayer this morning? God, give me eyes to recognize that you've put people in my life and in my path for a reason. Is it your prayer this morning? God, give me the courage to put some risk back in my faith. Raise your hand all over the congregation. I want to pray for all of us. Is that your prayer this morning? Let's pray. Father God, thank you again for your word. Lord, help us. Help us, God, to use our influence for you and your glory. God, give us kingdom eyes to recognize that in our shadows, there's so many more than we even could imagine. And Lord, help us to focus on the one so that you could save a city. Lord, give us the courage to not be afraid and to remember that we are yours. Every head bowed, every eye closed. We continue praying for just a moment, just a moment. There's some of you here this morning and you don't know that you're saved. You don't really know, man. You, you don't know for sure that you've been forgiven. You haven't done business with God. And God has been speaking to your heart. You know that you need Jesus. And some of you are concerned, man, just to be honest. Maybe you grew up in the wrong shadow. It never encouraged you towards Christ or the things of God. It was always pointing in the wrong direction. Or maybe you grew up in a good shadow. Look up for just a second, guys. Could it be this morning you recognize that your shadow isn't good? That your shadow, that your influence isn't what it's supposed to be? And could it be because you've never really trusted Christ? That you get angry when you shouldn't? Right? You lose control. Right? You're, just, you're mad. You find yourself simmering over the smallest things and you can't let it go. You don't know what the peace of God is, but you know that you don't have it. And you're hurting. And because of that, you're hurting everybody else in your shadow. Sometimes on purpose. Sometimes unintentionally. And maybe you bought into the lie, well, this is how God made me. I've got a temper. Or I'm, just, I'm, I'm full of lust. This is just who I am. Listen, guys, Scripture is clear. If you die in your sin, you're going to spend an eternity away from God, separated from God in a place called hell. Because the truth is, every single one of us this morning, we're lying, thieving, blaspheming, adulterators at heart. We all sin. We all come up short. And while the shadow that you were raised in may not have been the best shadow, it might have been a great one. That won't do you any good on the day of judgment. The only thing that can help you on the day of judgment is the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ. What we have to do to be saved is simply this, to turn from our sin, our filthy shadow, turn from our sin and turn to Jesus. 
Because Jesus was born of a virgin, lived that sinless life. He went to the cross and died a sinless, perfect sacrifice. See, you couldn't do that. You could go to a cross, sinless nor perfect. You'd just be another dead person on a cross. But when Jesus went, he was perfect in every way. In every way. He was perfect because you aren't. He was perfect because that's what you needed. A sinless sacrifice. And when you trust Christ and you stand before God on the day of judgment, it's not going to be you. It's going to be Christ in you. The hope of glory. Do you have Christ? Have you trusted him? Maybe this morning you think you've gone too far. You've been too far gone, too long, done too much, seen too much. Look at this verse. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. It says, For this is the good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men, not just the good ones, not just the ones from the good families, right? Not just the ones that aren't from broken homes and broken relationships, broken dreams. Not just the ones, right, that look so good on the outside and act so perfect. God desires all men to be saved. And you're thinking, after what I've done? Yeah. Well, Brother Marcus, you don't know how bad it is. It doesn't matter. I know how good he is. And you show me your sin. God has more than enough grace to cover your sin, no matter what you've done. For this is the good and acceptable inside of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Truth is, you're a sinner and you need Jesus. Is he calling you right now? Let's pray one more time. Bow your head, close your eyes one more time. Every head bowed, every eye closed. For just a moment, pray for your neighbors, Christian. Listen, you're here right now and you know that you need Christ. You know that you need to be saved. You know that you need to be forgiven. As I was speaking just a moment ago, you knew I was talking about you. What are you going to do with Jesus? What are you going to do with his sacrifice? He gave everything so that you could be free from your sin and forgiven. Why don't you trust him? Why don't you pray this prayer again? As always, this prayer doesn't save you. It's you humbling yourself before God, being sincere with God. Trusting him. But you can pray to him like this. Pray this prayer and say, Father God, right there in your seat. Say, Father God, I'm a sinner. Say, Lord, I've sinned. But God, I'm turning from my sin. I repent and I turn to Jesus. Save me, Jesus. Tell him, I'm putting my faith in your death, burial, and resurrection for my salvation. Your perfection for my sin. Save me, Jesus. Listen, every head bowed, every eye closed. Did you just pray that prayer? I want to pray with you for just a moment. I will not single you out. I will not pull you forward, drag you forward. I promise I will not embarrass you in any way. I just want the honor of praying and thanking God for you. So if you're here right now and you just prayed that prayer just a moment ago, would you slip your hand up for just a second? Slip your hand up. God bless you. I see you. I see you. I see you. God bless you. Who else? Who else? Okay, you can put your hands down. Father God, I just want to thank you for these who just indicated that they've trusted you as Lord and Savior. God, that you have saved them and redeemed them. Lord, help them uh, to share that fact with someone. God, help them to share that with another believer or to, to make that public. God, help confirm that decision in their heart that you have saved them and redeemed them and that you love them. 
And God, that you are theirs and they are yours. Listen, guys, every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment. Some of you, you know you've prayed to receive Christ. You've gotten saved, but you've never followed through in believer's baptism. Now's the time. The first step of obedience is to follow Christ in baptism. Why don't you come and we'll rejoice with you and schedule that time and pray with you. Maybe you're here this morning, you recognize that your baptism and your salvation are out of whack. We get saved and then baptized, but you recognize that you actually got baptized before you got saved. Why don't you get that in order and be obedient to Christ? We'll rejoice with you and schedule that time for you. Maybe you're here and you recognize that Grace Baptist Church, this is your church family. This is your church home. So why don't you come this morning and make it official. Put on the jersey and be part of the team right here at Grace. Is God calling you to do it? Answer his call. But during this invitation, I want to encourage you, whatever God is calling you to do, however he is speaking to your heart, be obedient. What do you have to fear? You are his. Father God, we surrender this invitation to you. It's in Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen. Will you stand with me and we'll sing.